good morning. Welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you today. What a beautiful day, right? So nice to see three minutes of sunshine, right? <laughs> Tell you what, it's just nice to see that sun today. And it's a reminder to me that God is making all things new, right? The gray clouds will go away and the sun will rise, just like all of the stuff of life that uh, sin has affected, the curse has affected. God will renew and make all new today. Hey, would you just stand and just greet the people around you? Maybe give them a fist pound, catch up, say hey, see how they're doing. Let's continue to worship together with the next song.
as we check out this next video from the story. Everyone else in Babylon bowed and worshipped to the statue, 
the three men stayed standing. Nebuchadnezzar was furious and sentenced them to be thrown into a fiery furnace and burned alive. The king ordered the furnace to be turned up to seven times hotter than usual, so hot that even the guards who threw them into it were killed. Once the three men were inside, the king jumped up and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we threw in? I now see four men, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. The king ordered the men to come out. When they did, everyone was amazed. Not only were they still alive, but they were in perfect condition. Not a hair on their heads had been burned. Once again, the king was impressed, and not only let the men go, but promoted them. Years later, a new king of Babylon named Darius came on the scene. A friend of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego named Daniel, who was also an atheist, was so well liked by the new king that the other leaders in Babylon became jealous and hatched a plot to get rid of him. They tricked King Darius into signing a law that said Darius himself was a god and should be the only god anyone should worship for the next 30 days. Daniel heard about the law, but chose not to follow it. He went into an upstairs room in his home and looked out the windows facing toward Jerusalem, and he prayed to God three times a day. When the Babylonian leaders saw Daniel praying, they told King Darius, who was now forced to punish Daniel. He was arrested and thrown into a den full of lions overnight. In the morning, the den was open, and Daniel was not only alive, there was not a scratch on him. Years later, after the Israelites had all been living in exile for 70 years, the Babylonians were overtaken by Persians, and the Israelites were allowed to return back to Jerusalem. They were going home. I invite the children in preschool through fifth grade to come forward to be dismissed for our uh, children's ministry this morning. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these precious children this morning. Um, just open up their hearts and their minds to hear your word, and may they be ready to share the gospel with their friends and those that they meet this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all this morning. Yeah, it's always, when you got to grab the mic, it's like parting the Red Sea of children. It's kind of fun. Um, before we dive into the message this morning, we have a commitment here across campus um, to update you. Our leaders are committed to updating you on kind of the state of ministry, where things have happened, and how the year ended, things like that. Leah's already jumping the gun. I didn't invite you up yet. No. <laughs> Leah is our watershed uh, elder, and uh, she's going to update us. So if you're a guest with us, just feel free to listen in. This is kind of family business, if you will say. Um, but again, just our commitment to, to communicate clearly 
um, and also a way, too, to continue to say thank you and um, let you in on kind of where are the needs in life of our body. So there you go, Leah. Let's welcome Leah. Good morning. I promise for those, there's so many new faces. I'm just so tickled. We, my husband and I had to find a different spot, which is really amazing. <laughs> Petrullias have relocated to the middle. Um, so if you are new here, I promise that I am not up here often. This is really just a once or twice a year update. And it's because we are so committed to just keeping everyone informed about where we are when it comes to our finances. It's been really helpful over the years to have this commitment and make sure that if anyone has questions, they can come up afterwards and talk to us. So I just wanna thank you. Um, we did close the books last year a little bit under. And even though uh, we had so much giving and it was such a beautiful end to the year with seeing so many smaller gifts, it was really amazing. We didn't have our usual one or two just big gifts that came in. We had so many people give and we had so many people just give small amounts. But we did want to let you know that we're starting off this year a little bit under. So I have a letter just to read. And I just want to say thank you first to everybody that has been plugged into giving and volunteering. We have so many things that happen across campus during the week. If you are ever on this side of town during the week, I challenge you to drive by church. There are cars everywhere. There are so many different activities going on. My daughter was here Friday night for the function, and there were a ton of middle schoolers in this room just dancing. And I want everyone to know that the reason why we get up here and talk about this stuff is because those types of activities are a form of mission. They're a form of worship. Even when you come here just to serve donuts and everything could not be done without the help of our congregation. We're so thankful for you. Here we go. We have closed the books for 2022, 20, uh, and we wanted to keep everyone informed about where we're at. We are very, very grateful for every contribution throughout the year, and especially at the year end. And it was really encouraging to see every sort of giving towards the end. Hardawake was richly blessed in 2022 with vibrancy, ministry health, and growth. As we closed the finances, it also became clear that our expense outpaced our contributions by about 184000 so we are beginning um, the year with a little bit under our cash balance. The staff is currently reviewing the 2023 budget and working to adjust the gap. They've already made adjustments of about 24,000 to bring the budget down a little bit and they're working to identify additional just short-in and long-term savings that do not cut into our ministries. So bridging this gap will require a few adjustments to the budget as well as additional revenues both through giving as well through other sources. We are really grateful that we started this year with a cash balance of 244,000. So January and February are unfortunately two of the weaker months for contributions. And as of January 31, our cash balance was 182,000. So based on the previous year's trends uh, that we've experienced in the first few months of the year, we want you to be aware that we could potentially begin accessing our small emergency cash reserve fund by June. Any assistance that anyone can provide to help us navigate these lean months would also help us navigate the rest of the year. So this is really just an update that we have always provided to our congregation. 
And we know that these first couple months of the year are a little bit slower, but I know that we have such a generous, such a committed group of people, and we've been so blessed to see more people coming in through these doors who are benefiting from all the all the ministries that we have to offer here. And I just ask that you prayerfully consider how you could help bridge this gap that we're starting with so that I don't have to get up here again. <laughs> so thank you very much. Well, you're going to come up again sometime as our elder. <laughs> no, as, as Leah said, I too, just again, thank you. Um, giving is certainly a part of our, it's a spiritual practice. It's one that uh, helps us shape priorities in life. Today we're talking some about like the empires we live in um, that try to shape us versus living in the kingdom. And so um, I just want to say thanks again, though, for helping make ministry happen. Uh, a couple of the things that are, are going on on campus, uh, Feed My Starving Children is one of them. Uh, Becky brought me some M&Ms, and they're not for me to eat during the middle of the sermon. I'm a little bummed. But our, our kids are um, actually in, in uh, children's ministry today getting uh, filled with chocolate much at, at the end, so they're not going to come sugared up, uh, but then to fill and put quarters in. That helps um, supply some of the needs. We, we need donations for uh, Feed My Starving Children to take place. We also need 480 people. Now, not all from Hardalike. Hardalike certainly covers over half the amount of volunteers needed. But just to give you an idea, it takes over 480 volunteers uh, to make that event happen on March 10 and 11. So uh, if you're interested in signing up, uh, jump on over to our website, hardalike.com. You can sign up there. Um, and then uh, on January 20, Gateway Mission um, here in Holland um, also known by many who've been here a long time, the rescue mission. So uh, they had a major fire in one of their main kitchens. Um, so uh, impacted some of the food, things like that. So um, if you're interested in helping collect food, uh, canned foods especially, especially not, not um, we want non-perishables. There we go, not perishables. Uh, we're going to be collecting some of that next week Sunday. So if you're grabbing groceries or something this week and want to help out a mission in our own community, um, that would be awesome if you could partner with us in that. And then uh, finally, we have a mission trip going to Honduras uh, this summer. And initially, the deadline for that sign-up was at the end of January. That got bumped to next week. So if you're still interested uh, in joining us as we uh, work on a new classroom uh, for, uh, for school down there to work with Jake and Rachel Kampan, uh, certainly join us. Um, so you still got a little time to jump in. Then, ooh, man, there's just all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, something that's going on across the parking lot. You don't always get to see what's happening in Celebration and Fusion, our other two congregations. Um, but they're praying for Zach and Christy Yoder. They're missionaries, uh, missionary partners with us um, here. They're down in, in Nigeria, and they do tra Bible translation. They work with churches there in leadership development. They've been in town for a little while, so they're praying. And I just want to make you aware um, that they're here in town and heading back. So as they go do ministry in Nigeria, um, let's be praying for Zach and Christy Yoder and their family. And as well, David Steenweich, a middle schooler, is getting ready to go to South Africa next week. Um, he's from our celebration community. 
um, to do some work down there. So again, just some awesome stuff going on. And uh, I'm going to ask you to let's let's go together in prayer uh, before we dive into God's word. Lord, thank you. Um, Just even again, as we were reminded that you are with us in the challenges we face in the the normal day-to-day struggles, the trials, Lord, in our temptations, in our, our own personal wanderings, our, our own struggles, Lord, um, sometimes we may say our own personal demons. Lord, you've not left us. Thank you. Thank you that you sustain us by your strength. Thank you that you give us breath in life and you preserve us. Lord, as we think about our celebrations and our joys, thank you for being with us. Thank you for the gifts that that allow us to smile, to to laugh. Lord, uh, as Leah said, I mean, there were were close to a couple hundred middle schoolers running around this building on Friday night having a good time. Lord, we we celebrate that. We thank you um, for that opportunity to bless our, our community and be a part of those kids' lives. Or we think about Zach and Christy and their ministry in Nigeria. Father, thank you that we can partner with them as they try to make sure that the gospel can be heard in, Lord, people's native tongue. That, that your story can become their story. Father, we pray your continued blessing upon them. Thank you for David and his courage as a middle schooler to travel internationally uh, with his class and some, some from his class, and, and, and to serve you in South Africa. Lord, we pray your blessing upon him. Father, we thank you that we can be a part of, Lord, countless other ministries, churches that are trying to make sure that families that are struggling to get food can get it, Lord. And that's not just through Feed My Starving Children, Lord. We think about Mika's Lunch, and we pray your blessing upon both of those organizations. Fathers, they try again just to make sure that daily needs are met in people's lives. Father, thank you for giving us the daily bread that you've given us. Lord, I know as we struggle with the economics of this world, of our country, we deal with things like inflation and, Lord, the rising cost of of things and sometimes, Father, wages that don't keep up. Lord, we can... Know that sometimes talking about finances and even in, in worship can, can be struggling or uncomfortable. But the good news for us, Lord, is that you're the giver of everything we have, of everything we need. Lord, so thank you. Thank you for the good gifts that provide for our everyday needs that provide us the opportunity to be generous towards others when those times come with all kinds, with our time, our energy, our gifts, our abilities. Lord, and we just pray that you would use our lives not just to be a a blessing to one another, but they'd be a blessing in this community. God, for your sake, for your kingdom, and that your church in this community, not just us here on this corner, but your churches around this community, Lord, in this country can, can be a good witness, Lord, a peaceful witness to your good kingdom. God, as we pray these things, we pray to uh, this morning as we dive in your word, 
Lord, I ask that you give me the words to speak, to share your story with us, and that you, Holy Spirit, would move in our hearts and our minds, that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged, encourage us where we need to be encouraged, and continue, Father, to reorient us in your good news, the good news of your kingdom that has come in Jesus and one day will come finally and fully in this world. And we pray all these prayers in Jesus' name and all God's children said, amen. So we come into the message this morning. Uh, we're diving in we're to the last Sunday in our mini-series, A Kingdom Torn. We're, again, been journeying through the, the story of the Bible. If you haven't been here or only been here kind of occasionally, we're, 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 we're journeying through this whole biblical story from beginning to end. A Kingdom Torn is where we've looked at the people of Israel being divided. Um, and their division came due to sin. Um, their, their mistakes, their missteps, their inability to continue to worship God, their inability to care for uh, the people around them well. Um, and, and with that, God had carried both Israel and Judah into exile um, for discipline. But with Judah, we heard last week uh, as we went through the book of Lamentations, and in particular the prophet of Jeremiah, there was hope. That this exile wouldn't last forever. It would be 70 years. Um, but God's kingdom, his kingdom was going to endure. Even though it looked like it, the kingdom was torn. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You get that? You got that? <laughs> right? It wasn't gone. And when we dive into the book of Daniel this morning, as we've seen, we saw a couple stories of Daniel and his three friends uh, of how they face uh, what we're going to talk about today and, and kind of exists within all of Scripture. I think it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't not see it anymore. But, but how, how we have the empires of this world, but we also have this kingdom of God. And all throughout, there's tension. There's always a tension between the empires of the world and God's kingdom. And especially now in Daniel, what we'll hear is, is this Babylonian empire and yet the hope of the kingdom of God. This goes all the way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve, humanity, was created to partner with God in his kingdom. Be part of breathing his life into the world. Be part of doing good things. But as soon as sin came into the world, the empires of the world started to rise. Right? Due to things like selfishness. Our, our own self-reliance. Our own uh, self-aggrandizing like you can get to the Tower of Babel in Genesis. What are, they're trying to build an empire. We see all throughout this empire-building project. Meanwhile, God's kingdom being alive. So we're going to dive in a little bit more on what that looks like. But we're going to journey kind of through the book of Daniel by looking at Daniel chapter 1. So if you'll join me this morning. Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah... Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim of Judah into, the hand, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ash, Ashpenaz 
chief of the court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Now, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Okay, those three we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, but, but I, want, I want you to understand something here. This, these are their Hebrew names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their Babylonian names. That's just a little something to come yet. Got you, right? Got the carrot out there? <laughs> but no, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar sorry. to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, to Azariah, Abednego. They received these names. We're going to pause there for the time being. So I think about empire and kingdom. I think about these first seven verses of this book. The thing that comes to my mind is, is the Babylonian empire takes Judah away, Israel away at this time. I couldn't help but think of Jean-Luc Picard in Star Trek Next Generation when he was assimilated by the Borg. Anyone? Or am I just a big Star Trekky nerd? Sorry. <laughs> I for one semester at college, I foregoed um, learning about the Dead Sea Scrolls. So I want you to know this about your pastor. I could have learned about the Dead Sea Scrolls, but there was too much reading. So you know what? I could take a class on the science of Star Trek and only write a three-page paper and watch episodes of Star Trek every day. What did I do? Star Trek. <laughs> Confession. <laughs> But there's something about the Borg. I, I just got to read. Usually this was the message that came from the Borg. We are the Borg. Existence as you know it is over. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Resistance is futile. Assimilation. All right, if you're not a Trekkie. <laughs> Boom, 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 boom. All right, I have totally nerded out on you this morning. The Galactic Empire, anyone, right? And I couldn't help but think about what, if you're a stormtrooper, do you have a name? Oh, no, you don't. You're just brought in, right? The Galactic Empire was bringing uniformity, but not just uniformity, a unanimity, right? There was no, no freedom, there was no uniqueness. You had to do it our way or else. Right, Babylon did this. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was no different in this regard. One of the first things that they would do to people is they would relocate them, right? We're going to take you out of a place, or I'm sorry, repurpose. I'm jumping ahead already. Repurpose. And the first thing we hear in verse 2 is what? They took articles from God's temple back to the temple of his gods, right? Things that used to be important to us or meaningful to us 
in this Babylonian assimilation, they would say, well, let us take things that are important to you, important to your identity, important to what you know, and we're going to take them and make them important to us, but in a totally different way. Do we ever see that happen in our culture, in our lives, in the empires around us, where we take things that maybe have purpose and meaning, but we're going to repurpose them, we'll repackage them, and then all of a sudden we forget what they're really about. The next thing they would do is relocate, right? We're going to put you into an uncomfortable situation. How many of you, maybe in a debate on uh, anything, um, but maybe a debate on faith, are, uh, know that when you get put into an uncomfortable position, somebody starts pressing, asks a question that you don't know the answer of, all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know, you get the, the belly's bubbling a little bit, you know, it moves up into your, your chest a little bit, and you're like, I don't know what to do, and you're, we get really uncomfortable, I don't know the answer. Okay, you win. Anybody ever do that? Now, I tend not to fight that way. That's more my wife. That's Kendra. I tend to be the assimilator. I am the Borg, evil Borg. You heard me say that. <laughs> Right? But, the, but the reality is when we want to build an empire, when we want to change and, and shape you in a way that's different from what you know, let's make you uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, you're going to be anxious. And when you're anxious, you can't quite think. You can really only react. Right? It's the part of our brain that goes again into fight, flight, freeze. Now it's there for a purpose, a reason, but it's not meant to be there we can manipulate that, right? Sometimes we can utilize that to, to dominate, to, to overcome. Well, Babylon would do this. They'd also re-educate. The scripture tells us in verse 4 that they'd take these, these smart, capable, nobles, you know, well, well-to-do people, and then they would teach them the Babylonian ways, right? How many times do we, we're going to teach you a new way, a different way, and we, we also are in a culture where we look at what is old and kind of consider it as archaic. Not wisdom that's been tried, trued, and tested, but no, there's something different. Let's, let's reshape how you think about it. We re-educate. Well, Babylon's not done. They also do the work of replacing, and I'm going to put it this way, is the king started to provide, right? They depended on food from his table. They depended on wine from his table. Why? So that they didn't have to depend on their true king. Replaced one king with another. This is how you can assimilate. This is how you can dominate another culture. And finally, as we kind of leaned into, they renamed. Right? Our name means something, and especially... In their culture, in their time, their name was their identity. Daniel literally meant God is my judge. Hananiah meant the Lord is gracious. Mishael, who is what our God is? Both a question but also a declaration. Azariah, the Lord is helper, my helper. But Babylon said, no, your name doesn't get to mean that anymore. Your name's going to be something else. Belteshazzar means this, protect the life of the king. <laughs> protect the life of Nebuchadnezzar. You're now in his service. Shadrach, commander of Aku, the moon god. Wait a second. Hananiah, the Lord is gracious, commander of Aku. Right? Totally different. Meshach, who is what Aku is? 
right? That question, that declaration. When Mishael is, who is what our God is? Azariah, the Lord is my helper. Abednego, servant of Nebu. Nebo, another God. Right, if we can change your name, if we can change who you are and whose you are, you are no longer who you once were. And you are who we want you to be. Right, how often does that happen in the empires of our world? Ian DeGood, a theologian, um, writes on this passage in Daniel 1. He says his, and he talks about the devil, because this is kind of how the devil rolls. This is how Satan, our, our enemy, works. And he tries to get us away from God, out of God's kingdom, into a different empire. He says this, his fundamental goal is always to obliterate our memory of the Lord. Right, this is going on in Babylon, isn't it? Obliterate the memory of our Lord to re-educate our minds to his way of thinking. To instill in us a sense that all the good things in life come from the world around us. From the satisfaction of the desires of our own flesh. To get us again looking inward instead of to the one who is truly our king. Right, the empires of the world are building up. We often, because we were created in God's image, are, are bent towards building up these. Because we were meant to join God in building his kingdom. Right, working his kingdom. But sin, oftentimes, we go alone. We go another way. Satan manipulates us. Well, Daniel 1's not finished. I want to dive back in in verse 8. Because this isn't where it ends. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved. But Daniel resolved. He said, here's where I'm going to stand. Resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, man, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than all the other young men, men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. A little nervous, rightly so, right? <laughs> if you guys show up worse off than them, I don't know, man. It's my head, not yours. Well, Daniel then said to this guard, whom the chief official had pointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us a shot. Right? Different posture. Not, hey, moron. <laughs> Give us a shot. Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then, hey, compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So, this guard, he agreed to this and tested them for seven days, or for 10 days. I'll put up here, a kingdom resolve. Right, what do we see in Daniel in this moment, his three his three friends. One that says, okay, we might be in a foreign land. We might be underneath a physical king. We may be asked to be something that we are not. To eat this food may have led them to, to impurities with God's law that was set aside for them. What does he say? This would defile us. And he says, I'm not gonna. 
I've got to take a stand. But how does he take the stand? I think it's interesting for us to see. And throughout the whole book of Daniel, when we get to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yes, I did it. Because all I've learned growing up was their Babylonian names. (laughs) But we get to their story. When they're, they're called to bow down, when the rest of the world is bowing down to this great statue of Nebuchadnezzar, what do they do? Do they go, no, we're going to grab swords, we're going to go fight? No, ha! No, we're not going to. We're going to resist. Uh, yeah, we don't have to be a jerk about it. <laughs> but I'm going to take a stand, I can't do it. When Daniel was, was risen in King Darius's just, you know, his... Uh, good graces. Others didn't like it so much. What did they do? Hey, make sure that everybody who prays to somebody else doesn't pray to somebody else over the next, you know, period of time. We want them just to pray to you, King Darius. And and so they knew they'd get Daniel on his own integrity, on his own character, knowing who he was. And sure enough, he did, right? We saw the video about the lion's den. Does he go, oh, King Darius? No, there. You start blaming. I mean, he had a right right to start pointing fingers. It's all on them, right? No. Peace. This week I brought up Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a, just a passage that many of us know. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you hope and a future and But all of this in Jeremiah 29, and and I think both Bill and JB are in, so if you want to watch a good sermon later on this week, um, you can check out Celebration and Fusions. (laughs) But they're they're diving into Jeremiah 29. God says this as they're entering 70 years of captivity. As they're having to marry off sons and daughters in a land that's foreign to them. As they're realizing, this may be, this isn't my home, but this may be the place where I die. And while they're gifted this promise to help them endure and have hope, they're also given a a commission, a call. And Jeremiah says, this is from God, I want you to be in the world, not of the world, yet for the world. Drew and I were talking about that this week. And I want you to be in the world not of the world, and yet for it. I want you to pray for the peace of your enemies who have now brought you into captivity, who are trying to rename you, who are taking the things that are important to you, reworking them for your good. Uh, um, I want you to pray for their peace. I want you to be involved in society. I want you to live in such a way that it would benefit and it would flourish because if it goes well for you or for them, it'll go well for you. Wait a second. Now, I can't help but say that and not think of Jesus when he says, hey, my kingdom is one that's defined by praying for our enemies, not drawing swords to cut them down. The empire of Hollywood would call the next generation cast of the USS Enterprise to attack that freaky-looking cube of the Borg. Like, I mean, Star Trek, I mean, really, I will admit this, have some really weird ways of, like, make daunting enemies. A big cube, really. Like, but you fight back, you resist. Or if we just become a Jedi, master our lightsaber in the Force, I can crush you, right? Fight back. The, em- the Empire of Hollywood 
says how you overcome, how you bring peace is through force. Well, that's no different than oftentimes the empires of our nations. And yet the kingdom says, no, trust in the real king, no matter what the outcome may be. And know that peace is usually your best way towards peace. Love is going to always be the best way to bring love. Hatred, violence ends up bringing more hatred and violence. Daniel stands, his friends stand. Now, thankfully, what we get to see is God's kingdom breaks in. Right? We already got to hear it very briefly in verse 9. God had worked in that commander's heart to show favor. Right? That God is working out his kingdom in the midst of the things that we're facing. And these may be daunting, right? The empires are empires for a reason. And it may, like we talked about weeks ago, may cost us to, to resist or, or to, to, to remove something of our lives. But nonetheless, God's kingdom breaks in. And let's see a little bit more of how that kingdom breaks in. Verse 15. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. He made a very smart business decision. <laughs> right, these four young men, God gave knowledge, understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them to his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. Now the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And we read this, and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. King Cyrus is a leader of the Medes and the Persians, which just so happens to be the next empire after Babylon. It's interesting, I, I love, and I love how it just ended on, like I said this to Drew earlier this week, I love how like when you're going through and setting up the, the scripture on the slides sometimes, it ended just standing alone. We could overlook this little detail, but here's the thing. This is what happens about God's kingdom. It endures amongst all the empires of the world. Empires come and go, and yet God's kingdom stands forever. God's kingdom breaks in, right? It breaks in as we see Shadrach, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel, right? God took care of what? Their mind. Gave them all kinds of wisdom and understanding and literature and learning. Gave them what they needed. Took care of their body. While the Babylonians thought, well, if we just give you these foods and this, you're gonna, we're, we, know how to, we know how to make strapping young men. No. God's law was there for a reason. God would provide and he would take care of their body. And then all of a sudden, what do we see about Daniel? Daniel would be able to interpret visions He'd be able to understand dreams. And then when you reread Daniel, uh, the rest of the book, we, we see that not only does he have visions, but he gets to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's and, and, and other kings' visions, and it puts him into position 
for God to work his life in this land. God's kingdom breaks in when his kingdom is our ground, our foundation, and our life. If we cave to the empire, the kingdom becomes a mere afterthought. But Daniel, and throughout the book, we'll see Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, Hananiah, we'll see them say, you know what? No, we're God's kingdom people. We trust our king no matter what we face. Well, there's a beautiful vision um, that takes place midway through the book, Daniel 7. Kind of in Daniel, in the, if you've been reading along in the story itself, you don't get to really read into the visions. They get a little tricky for us. Um, I, by far, this morning cannot um, expound on all of those. We did a series back in 2020 on Daniel, and I still couldn't expound on all of those. Um, but if I could summarize those, I don't want to overly simplify them. I would like to summarize them. I'd like to do so with Daniel 7. This is a, this is a vision that Daniel receives, and it's meant to bring hope to the people and a continued hope for us today. In my vision, Daniel said, my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led in his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Daniel lasted to Cyrus. God's kingdom outlasted Babylon. When Jesus, by the time Jesus had come, the Son of Man, the Medes and the Persians were gone. Not only were the Medes and Persians gone, the Greeks were gone. And then the next world power, the Romans, had come into power, and we would know that after a while, the Romans would fall. Empires come, empires go. But the kingdom of the Son it will come. It has come. And it's coming again. Daniel was as much meant to be a letter of not only how to be faithful in a foreign land, how to be kingdom people amidst an empire, but also to bring hope and a reminder not only for them, but for us generations later. And I don't think they knew this, but it continues to be hope for us today. That we stand in the kingdom of the true King Jesus. That kingdom is a kingdom that is meant for peace, for shalom, for wholeness, for life as it was meant to be, not life turned inward. Challenge? Yeah, empires. Or you said the empire of Hollywood, right? That, that'd be an easy one. <laughs> How many times do we cave and, and, and form our lives to the empire of of the imaginary, the wished for, the hoped for, the dream scenario. And what do we do when it doesn't happen? Sometimes we, we build our lives around the empire of science. Again, just like the gift of acting, it's a beautiful thing. I love art. I love music, right? But we can, it, when turned the wrong way, can lead us astray. 
Science, science is a beautiful thing. Things like medicine are wonderful gifts that we have, God-given gifts. People who have devoted their lives to it, right? From medicine that heals our body to medicine that can help us in our minds. And yet sometimes we worship, we create empires out of these things. We unground them from the true king and his kingdom and build different ideologies, different practices. We worship different things because of it. We do this in business, don't we? Bottom lines. Where were we, so where are we going? We don't question what we produce. We do this in education. We do this all over, don't we? We build empires. The reality for us all is we live in a kingdom, whether we like it, and I'm just going to say it, whether you like it or not, (laughs) this is God's world. He wants you to be in his world. (laughs) Yeah, you're walking around in it, but he wants you to be in relationship with him. That's why the king would come, not with swords, but a sacrificed life. To restore us to him. To make life whole. So that we could participate each and every day in his kingdom. In new life. The way it was intended to be. Now we're all on a journey in this. Amen? I know for me, yeah, how many times do I, going back to Star Trek, yep, and Star Wars. (laughs) There are a lot of parts of me that still want to yield a lightsaber. (laughs) Or want to wage a war with my words. And yet the reality is the best way that I can love this world and be in it is to be a person of peace. That seeks the best for my neighbor. Doesn't mean I always agree with my neighbor. See, the beauty of God's kingdom is we can actually disagree and yet be together. That we might actually need us, each other, in our differences to learn from one another. But to go, man, I'm in it for you. I'm in this world. I'm not of it. And I'm not going to be defined by it. But I am for it. Because our God decided to step into the world. Wasn't of it. Remained a child of his father, the king. And yet was for it. What kingdom are we going to walk in? Which empire are we going to lean into? Let's pray. God, I want to thank you this morning, first and foremost, for the hope that your kingdom is an enduring kingdom. Your life endures. Your truth endures. Lord, you're faithful to generation after generation after generation. I want to thank you as well that we get stories in the scripture where, Father, people who stand in faithfulness end up, Lord, we see seeds of life. We see even Nebuchadnezzar, Lord, if we read the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar praises your name. The king of Babylon recognizes you as king of the world. That peace really is a way forward. Doesn't mean that we don't resist, but we can resist while also being respectful. While also living with character. 
living as people who would represent you well. Father, thank you that as we remain grounded, we know that you are with us. And that that kingdom, Lord, even though maybe sometimes it, it, it will cost us something, Lord, that, that's the reality. Is so often it will cost us something for, for Hananiah, Azariah, for Mishael, for Daniel. Lord, they all, the three had to step into a fire. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. It's not that we, we're not going to get real with some suffering and some challenges in the midst of this. But Lord, the promise that your kingdom endures, no matter what, is something we can stand on. Because the empires, they come and go. Things change. Books are rewritten. Medical practices become something different. Medicines change. Lord, there's one thing that we know is pretty much everything changes. But the truth of the gospel is you remain the same. And you've made it possible for us to be with you. So Lord, strengthen us. Strengthen our resolve in that. Help us as we seek to be faithful people following you. And Lord, when we lean into the empires, Lord, help us to step away again, to be reminded of the truth. To let your story again be our story. To remember that we are child, we are children of love and loved by our King. God, again, these are just some of the prayers that we pray today, but we lift them to you in the name of Jesus and all God's children said. Amen. Yeah, I'm always struck by that story. Um, I don't know if I would have had the courage to stand if I was carted off to a foreign country and really forced into this really tricky situation, kind of cornered, right? And yet there we see these four guys, and they are standing and declaring with their minds and their hearts, work for the Lord, work for the kingdom. We have the same opportunity today. As we sing this song together, I just love these words, so I'll stand with my arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. This is us declaring we're going to be kingdom people. So would you join us, stand together as we worship to this last song.
the cool thing about the kingdom. When we stay anchored in it, like we see with Daniel, the world changes as we live in it. God works his new life out 
amongst us, with us, in it, because God's M.O. is for wholeness. Shalom. So as people who walk back into education, into business, right, into the arts, who walk back into your neighborhoods, your families, as people who are grounded in the kingdom, life change can come with you. In those places, those spaces that God has called each of us to be, God redeems, brings his life back into it. And lives are changed simply by being people of peace. People who live the life of Christ in the midst of life with others. So as you do that, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children say, amen. If you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we'd appreciate it. Otherwise, you can feel free to chat and uh, otherwise have a great week.